Chapter 17 of Zadig. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Zadig, or The Book of Fate, by Voltaire. Chapter 17 The Hermit. As Zadig was traveling along, he met with a hermit whose gray and venerable beard descended to his girdle. He had in his hand a little book on which his eyes were fixed. Zadig threw himself in his way and made him a profound bow. The hermit returned the compliment with such an air of majesty and benevolence that Zadig's courtesy prompted him to converse with so agreeable a stranger. "'Pray, sir,' said he, "'what may be the contents of the treatise you are reading with such attention?' "'Tis called,' said the hermit, "'the Book of Fate. Will you please to look at it?' He put the book into the hands of Zadig, who, though he was a perfect master of several languages, couldn't decipher one single character. This raised his curiosity still higher. You seem dejected, said the good father to him. Alas, I have cause enough, said Zadig. If you'll permit me to accompany you, said the old hermit, perhaps I may be of some service to you. I have sometimes instilled sentiments of consolation into the minds of the afflicted. Zadig had a secret regard for the air of the old man, for his beard and his book. He found by conversing with him that he was the most learned person he had ever met with. The hermit harangued on destiny, justice, morality, the sovereign good, the frailty of nature, on virtue and vice, in such a lively manner and in such a flow of words that Zadig was attached to him by an invincible charm. He begged earnestly that he would favor him with his company to Babylon. That favor I was going to ask myself, said the old man. Swear to me by Orosmades that you won't leave me for some days at least. Let me do what I please. Zadig took the oath required, and both pursued their journey. The two travellers arrived that evening at a superb castle. The hermit begged for an hospitable reception of himself and his young comrade. The porter, whom any one might have taken for some grandee, let them in, but with a kind of coldness and contempt. However, he conducted them to the head steward, who went with them through every rich apartment of his master's house. They were seated at supper afterwards at the lower end, indeed, of the table, and where they were taken little or no notice of by the host. But they were served with as much delicacy and profusion as any of the other guests. When they arose from the table, they washed their hands in a golden basin set with emeralds and other costly stones. When twas time to go to rest, they were conducted into a bedchamber richly furnished, and the next morning two pieces of gold were presented to him for their mutual service by a valet-in-waiting, and then they were dismissed. The proprietor of this castle, said Zadig, as they were upon the road, seems to me to be a very hospitable gentleman, though somewhat too haughty indeed and too imperious. 
the words were no sooner out of his mouth but he perceived that the pocket of his comrade's garment though very large was swelled and greatly extended he soon saw what was the cause and that he had clandestinely brought off the golden lava he durst not immediately take notice of the fact but was ready to sink at the very thought about noon the hermit rapped at a petty cottage with his staff the beggarly residence of an old rich miser he desired that he and his companion might refresh themselves there for a few hours an old shabby domestic let them in indeed but with visible reluctance and carried them into the stable where all their fare was a few musty olives and a draught or two of sour small beer the hermit seemed as content with his repast as he was the night before at last rising off from his seat he paid his compliments to the old valet who had as watchful an eye over them all the time as if they had been a brace of thieves and intimated every now and then that he feared they would be benighted and gave him the two pieces of gold he had but just received that morning as a token of his gratitude for his courteous entertainment he added moreover i would willingly speak one word with your master before i go the valet thunderstruck at his unexpected gratuity complied with his request most hospitable sir said the hermit i couldn't go away without returning you my grateful acknowledgments for the friendly reception we have met with this afternoon be pleased to accept this golden basin as a small token of my gratitude and esteem the miser started and was ready to fall down backwards at the sight of so valuable a present the hermit gave him no time to recover out of his surprise, but marched off that moment with his young comrade. "'Father,' said Zadig, "'what is all this that I have seen? You seem to me to act in a quite different manner from the generality of mankind. You plunder one who entertains you with all the pomp and profusion in the world to enrich a covetous, sordid wretch who treated you in the most unworthy manner.' son said the old man that grandee who receives visits of strangers with no other view than to gratify his pride and to raise their astonishment at the furniture of his palace will henceforward learn to be wiser and the miser to be more liberal for the time to come don't be surprised but follow me Sadiq was at a stand at present and couldn't well determine whether his companion was a man of greater wisdom than ordinary or a madman but the hermit assumed such an ascendancy over him exclusive of the oath he had taken that he couldn't tell how to leave him at night they came to a house very commodiously built but neat and plain where nothing was wanting and yet nothing profuse the master was a philosopher that had retired from the busy world in order to live in peace and form his mind to virtue he was pleased to build this little box for the reception of strangers in a handsome manner but without ostentation he came in person to meet them at the door and for a time advised them to sit down and rest themselves in a commodious apartment after some respite he invited them to a frugal yet elegant repast during which he talked very intelligently about the late revolutions in babylon 
he seemed entirely to be in the queen's interest and heartily wished that zadig had entered the lists for the regal prize but babylon said he doesn't deserve a king of so much merit a modest blush appeared in zadig's face at this unexpected compliment which innocently aggravated his misfortunes it was agreed on all hands that the affairs of this world took sometimes a quite different turn from what the wisest patriots would wish them the hermit replied the ways of providence are often very intricate and obscure and men were much to blame for casting reflections on the conduct of the whole upon the bare inspection of the minutest part the next topic they entered upon was the passions alas said zadig how fatal in their consequences however said the hermit they are the winds that swell the sail of the vessel sometimes tis true they overset it but there is no such thing as sailing without them phlegm indeed makes men peevish and sick but then there is no living without it though everything here below is dangerous yet all are necessary in the next place their discourse turned on sensual pleasures and the hermit demonstrated that they were the gifts of heaven for said he man cannot bestow either sensations or ideas on himself he receives them all his pain and pleasure as well as his being proceed from a superior cause zadig stood astonished to think how a man that had committed such vile actions could argue so well on such moral topics at the proper hour after an entertainment not only instructive but every way agreeable their host conducted them to their bedchamber thanking heaven for directing two such polite and virtuous strangers to his house he offered them at the same time some silver to defray their expenses on the road but with such an air of respect and benevolence that was impossible to give the least disgust the hermit however refused it and took his leave as he proposed to set forward for babylon by break of day their parting was very affectionate and friendly zadig in particular expressed a more than common regard for a man of so amiable a behavior when the hermit and he were alone and preparing for bed they talked long in praise of their new host as soon as the daylight appeared the old hermit waked his young comrade tis time to be gone said he but as all the house are fast asleep i'll leave a token behind me of my respect and affection for the master of it no sooner were the words out of his mouth but he struck a light kindled a torch and set the building in a flame zadig in the utmost confusion shrieked out and would if possible have prevented him from being guilty of such a monstrous act of ingratitude the hermit dragged him away by a superior force the house was soon in a blaze when they had got at a convenient distance the hermit with an amazing sedateness turned back and surveyed the destructive flames behold said he our fortunate friend in the ruins he will find an immense treasure that will enable him from henceforth to exert his beneficence and render his virtues more and more conspicuous 
Zadig, though astonished to the last degree, attended him to their last stage, which was to the cottage of a very virtuous and well-disposed widow, who had a nephew of about fourteen years of age. He was a hopeful youth, and the darling of her heart. She entertained her two guests with the best provisions her little house afforded. In the morning she ordered her nephew to attend them to an adjacent bridge, which, having been broken down some few days before, rendered the passage dangerous to strangers. The lad, being very attentive to wait on them, went foremost. When they were got upon the bridge, "'Come hither, my pretty boy,' said the hermit. "'I must give your aunt some small token of my respect for her last night's favors.' Upon that he twisted his fingers in the hair of his head, and threw him very calmly into the river. Down went the little lad. He came up once again to the surface of the water, but was soon lost in the rapid stream. "'Oh, thou monster, thou worst of villains!' cried Zadig. "'Didn't you promise,' said the hermit, "'to view my conduct with patience? "'Know then that had that boy lived but one year longer, "'he would have murdered his foster-mother. "'Who told you so, you barbarous wretch?' said Zadig. "'And when did you read that inhuman event in your black book of fate? "'Who gave you permission, pray, to drown so innocent a youth "'that had never disobliged you?' No sooner had our young Babylonian ceased his severe reflections, but he perceived that the old hermit's long beard grew shorter and shorter, that the furrows in his face began to fill up, and that his cheeks glowed with a rose-colored red, as if he had been in the bloom of fifteen. His mantle was vanished at once, and on his shoulders, which were before covered, appeared four angelic wings, each refulgent as the sun. "'O oh, thou messenger of heaven! O oh, thou angelic form!' cried Zadig, and fell prostrate at his feet. "'Thou art descended from the Imperium, I find, to instruct such a poor frail mortal as I am, how to submit to the mysteries of fate.' "'Mankind in general,' said the angel Jesrod, "'judge of the whole by only viewing the hither link of the chain. "'Thou, of all the human race, "'wast the only man that deserved to have thy mind enlightened.' "'Sadig begged leave to speak. "'I am somewhat diffident of myself, tis true, "'but may I presume, sir, to beg the solution of one scruple.' would it not have been better to have chastised the lad and by that means reformed him than to have cut him off thus unprepared in a moment jesrod replied had he been virtuous and had he lived twas his fate not only to be murdered himself but his wife whom he would afterwards have married and the little infant that was to have been the pledge of their mutual affection is it necessary, then, venerable guide, that there should be wickedness and misfortunes in the world, and that those misfortunes should fall with weight on the heads of the righteous? The wicked, replied Jesrod, are always unhappy. Misfortunes are intended only as a touchstone. 
to try a small number of the just who are thinly scattered about this terrestrial globe besides there is no evil under the sun but some good proceeds from it but said zadig suppose the world was all goodness and there was no such thing in nature as evil then that world of yours said jesrad would be another world the chain of events would be another wisdom and that other order which would be perfect must of necessity be the everlasting residence of the supreme being whom no evil can approach that great and first cause has created an infinite number of worlds and no two of them alike this vast variety is an attribute of his omnipotence there are not two leaves on the trees throughout the universe nor any two globes of light amongst the myriad of stars that deck the infinite expanse of heaven which are perfectly alike and whatever you see on that small atom of earth whereof you are a native must exist in the place and at the time appointed according to the immutable decrees of him who comprehends the whole mankind imagine that the lad whom i plunged into the river was drowned by chance and that our generous benefactor's house was reduced to ashes by the same chance but no there is no such thing as chance all misfortunes are intended either as severe trials judgments or rewards and are the result of foreknowledge you remember sir the poor fisherman in despair that thought himself the most unhappy mortal breathing the great orasmade sent you to amend his situation frail mortal cease to contend with what you ought to adore but said zadig whilst the sound of the word but dwelt upon his tongue the angel took his flight towards the tenth sphere zadig sunk down upon his knees and acknowledged an overruling providence with all the marks of the profoundest submission the angel as he was soaring towards the clouds cried out in distinct accents make thy way towards babylon end of zadig chapter seventeen this is a librivox recording read for you by ted delorme in fort mill south carolina during november two thousand seven